The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Main Street Vegan. I'm so happy to be with you today. It's a rainy afternoon here in New York City. My husband read somewhere that because the climate is changing, as we can all see, that New York will, within the next few years, have the same weather as Mobile, Alabama. Now, I don't know what the weather is like in Mobile, Alabama. If you're in that part of the world, maybe you'd like to give us a call and let us know. Our toll-free number is 888 888- Five five eight six four eight nine. But I do know that in central Florida, where my mom lived when I was in high school and, and later, they always talked about the afternoon rain shower. And we seem to be getting one here every afternoon. So I'm wondering if I need to change my dog walking schedule because poor little Forbes comes in all wet, not to mention his dog walker, who's even wetter. Have you noticed that humans always look wetter in the rain than creatures who have more covering? Anyway, we're all in safe and warm, and it's a good day here, and hope it is the same where you are. Just to catch you up on what's been going on in the world of Main Street Vegan, and me, I'm Victoria Moran, the author of Main Street Vegan, and Founder and director of Main Street Vegan Academy. Oh my gosh, speaking of Main Street Vegan Academy, guess what? We are full for our classes in August and November, so we've actually added on a class for February. And not only that, we've been invited to Brazil to do a, an, a, an abbreviated sort of Main Street Vegan Academy in Sao Paulo and Rio de Janeiro, I've never been to Brazil. Have you been to Brazil? I have a couple of books published in Brazil in Portuguese. It seems just very exotic and wonderful. And I also learned that I am going to be coming to Unity Village, where this esteemed radio show comes from, in April to do a retreat at the wonderful New Holistic Center there. So there's lots of travel and stuff going on. Looking back over the past week for me and those around me, I first want to extend belated birthday wishes to Diane Wenz. You know Diane. She's been a co-host on the show several times. She helps me out a lot. She's also a holistic health counselor and a Main Street Vegan certified vegan lifestyle coach practicing in Montclair, New Jersey. And... It was her birthday last week, Diane Wentz of VeggieGirl.com. So happy, happy birthday. I went to a store that has household things, and I saw lovely tumblers, drinking glasses, 
that had cats on them. And Diane is a cat person. So I thought, this is great. I have found the perfect gift. And then I found her a cat card, and it was all going to be just right. And then she opened the box, and I had picked up the dog glasses. I think Forbes must have been giving me some sort of uh, subliminal suggestions. Get the dog ones, get the dog ones. But anyway, Diane and I are going to go downtown and take those back and have a wonderful birthday dinner next week. So that'll be fun. This past weekend, oh my gosh, I was so inspired. I went for the second time to the AR 2013 conference. Well, I guess I went to AR 2012 and then AR 2013. This is the National Animal Rights Conference sponsored by the Farm Animal Rights Movement. That's farmusa.org if you want to check them out online. And you know how sometimes you're around people who just seem like they're so good You wonder how many lifetimes it will take for you to get to be that good. Well, what I finally figured out is we're all good in our own way. Just some of us do it differently. I have to say that at this particular conference, I felt kind of guilty that I've never been in jail for doing something good, (laughs) something that I believed in for the animals or some other cause or some other purpose. But I also know we all have our own way to be helpful. But down there in D.C., we were actually in Alexandria, Virginia. It was rather a dramatic arrival. There was a huge flash flood. We've been having these around the country as we're talking here in early June of 2013. So the electricity went out. In a big old Hilton hotel, it was so, so interesting. They had generators that kind of did half-mast sort of electricity. Dinner on Friday night was a lovely candlelight salad bar and a wonderful shiitake mushroom soup that they had prepared in carafes over candles. Isn't that cool? That's a lot of inventiveness on on the part of the Hilton people. Great um, talks and, and presentations. Probably the high point was a debate between Bruce Friedrich of Farm Sanctuary and the longtime animal rights attorney, Gary Francione, between what's called animal rights and what's called animal welfare. But, you know, it's so funny. When I started in this work, animal welfare meant cats and dogs, and if we have a dinner, we can serve chicken. Well, that's not really what animal welfare is anymore. Animal welfare is animal rights with an understanding that maybe we could make things better for the animals that are already in the terrible situations. Now, that's my view, and I believe I've expressed Bruce Friedrich's view. That's not Gary Francione's view, and I admire him a lot too. His take is that we have to go for all or nothing. We have to go for a vegan planet or the animals will get left out in the cold. So if that debate sounds like something you would like to listen to, you can contact the good people at farmusa.org and get a CD of the presentation. In fact, you could get a CD of all the presentations. I did one about public speaking uh, that was a lot of fun, and maybe you'd like to hear that too. So farmusa.org for that. Here is another URL for you. I was interviewed by newveganage.blogspot.com. And you know how everything is so little these days. We tweet in 140 characters and we're always in a hurry and we're rushing from here to there. This lovely man said, I like long form interviews. So this interview with me at newveganage.blogspot.com is like the old Playboy interviews. Remember the Playboy interviews? That gentleman used to say, well, I only buy the magazine for the interview. Well, it's kind of like that, but, you know, without the pictures. Well, actually, it has pictures, but everybody is fully dressed except my dog. So that is newveganage.blogspot.com. And finally, in my last minute before introducing my really, really fabulous guest, Chloe Jo Davis of girlygirlarmy.com, I want to tell you where I'm heading tomorrow. And that is Vegetarian Summerfest, a.k.a. Vegan Summer Camp in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, the University of Pittsburgh at Johnstown. Oh, my gosh. I love this place. I have been going to these events, not every single year, but the majority of years 
since, oh my gosh, I'm not going to tell you how long, or you'll think I'm so ancient that I'm irrelevant. Let me just tell you that my daughter grew up going here every summer, and now you know her. She's a dare. She's grown up. She's doing um, stunt work, and she's a wildlife rehabber, but she spent her summers at Vegetarian Summerfest. So a lot of the people that we've had as guests on the show are going to be there. Rich Roll, the ultra marathoner, Dr. Michael Greger, Anne and Freya Dinshaw, the American Vegan Society, Marty Davey, La Diva Dietitian. And you can find all their shows on the Unity Online Radio site or on iTunes or however you like to listen. And a couple of upcoming guests are going to be there as well. These are people with new books on the horizon. Pastry chef Fran Costigan, who's a Main Street Vegan Academy faculty member, and her gorgeous book. Oh, this book is just too attractive. If you like art, if you like book covers, if you like chocolate, go to BN.com or Amazon and look at the cover of Vegan Chocolate by Fran Costigan. It is good enough to eat. She will be there along with John Pierre, whose new book, The Pillars of Health, is coming in September from the good people at Hay House. And John Pierre is one of those egoless people. I know two, maybe three. John Pierre is the personal trainer to Ellen DeGeneres and Portia de Rossi. And he does that to build a platform to help the animals, and to help people. He has devoted his career to working with women who've been abused, with senior citizens and low-income people through a wonderful kind of functional fitness and a vegan diet. A really, really great guy, and both of these people will be coming on this Main Street Vegan Show in the fall, so look out for them. And oh my gosh, it's time for a break and great preparation for Chloe Jo Davis of Girly. Girl, Army, stay with us. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. What if you could experience vibrant health? Help heal the planet and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Do you experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application, by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. 
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran, your host here on Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio, and I am so excited to introduce to you today's guest, Chloe Jo Davis, who is joining us just days after her triumphant appearance on The Katie Couric Show. Now, if you missed that on Friday, I'm sure you can get it on demand, or you can find some techie person who can get it for you on demand. Now, you know that somebody has reached serious celebrity status when you Google their name and you see things like Chloe Jo Davis, husband, and Chloe Jo Davis, pregnant. But here's the cool thing. If you're going to meet somebody famous, you need to meet them without anybody telling you that they're famous. That's what happened for me. I met Chloe Jo before I knew about what she does. And so that means that I never acted starstruck or weird, and we actually became friends. Good tip. Good tip for hanging out with uh, people who have a reputation in the world. So I see Chloe Jo as, as, yes, she's gorgeous and she's sophisticated, yeah, all that. But I far more see her as a woman who is totally committed to the animals. And she is one of the best moms out there to her two adorable little boys. And she actually wants to have more kids, which is just amazing to me. So here's the official bio. Chloe Jo is the founder of girlygirlarmy.com. That is girly with an I-E and army the regular way. Girlygirlarmy.com is your Glamazon guide to green living, a downright dazzling site filled with tips on fashion, food, and fun in the greenest, most compassionate way possible. It's been featured everywhere from Italian L to the New York Times to Jimmy Kimmel. Girly Girl Army has 12 years of archives and over 100,000 monthly readers. You can find Chloe Joe on Twitter at Girly Girl Army, and you can find her right here, right now, and you can even talk to her, 888-558-6489. Hey, Chloe Joe. Oh, my God. So not famous, but so honored to be on this show. I must be somebody if I reach Victoria Moran's status. Yeah, you're somebody. You are way somebody. I'm excited. <laughs> oh, Chloe Joe, you are such a good person. And you're and you know, oh, you're my you're my hero, and I have okay. to say I've met so many magnificent women in my life in this movement. But you are not only brilliant and kind and compassionate and glow from the inside out. You are a magnificent woman, and you are just sort of my icon of womanhood. Oh well, that is too kind. But since you used the G word, I am going yeah. to ask you your opinion on something. I yes, am about absolutely. to start on my new book, which is number 12, which seems <gasps> kind of mystical. And it, it's going to be about the vegan lifestyle, but bringing it up a notch to where you really are doing the green juices and all that kind of thing so that right. you're healthy and beautiful and happy yourself and want to stay with this. So here are my right. two titles, The Good okay. Karma Diet or mm-hmm. The Glow Factor. What do you like? The gore factor? Glow. Okay, you've already told me. It needs to be the good karma diet because if glow is a hard word to say correctly, oh, especially for right. me, don't want to have it. Interesting. I mean, the glow factor titillates me. What's the other one? Oh, see, now I don't remember the other one. Ah, oh, there we go. Oops, interesting. Done. Okay. The gore, will, the gore factor might be more interesting. Some yeah, the gore animal, factor. To do there, are some, <laughs> there are some books on veganism and animal rights that could be called the gore factor, and they certainly oh, reach sure. some people. So, Indeed. Uh, Chloe Jo, just give us a little history for people who don't know you. Absolutely. How did you get from where you started to where you are? It's been such a weird, long journey, but, I, you know, I started out as a party promoter. I did sample sales for couture designers. I worked for record labels. I was sort of a gal about town. I did Bravo's first reality TV show. I was just sort of like a mover and a shaker kind of in my late teens growing up in New York City, very sort of curious person doing everything, trying everything. And then I adopted a dog, and it sort of opened my whole Open my belt on Shang to life and, and to the animal's plight. I started researching diligently and I realized that there was really very, few, very little out there for women who wanted to stay sexy and fabulous and have an exciting sort of globe trotting life, but also really wanted to do right by the earth and the animals. And I was looking for resources that would help guide me on that journey and I couldn't find any. So at the, at that point I had this huge newsletter at the, at the time for all my sample sales and my nightlife events. I'd already been on the cover of The Voice and I'd done all this stuff and then 
I saw all these wonderful followers, and so I um, used it to segue the information that I was learning to the people that I was providing with, like, handbags and shoes, you know what I mean? So it was an interesting mixture of really stuff that meant nothing and stuff that meant everything. And then my dance continued, and, as, and then, you know, the rest is sort of history. And then we grew, we grew, I grew with my readers, and my readers grew with me, and the site became dedicated to all things completely ethical and animal rights. And, you know, here I am about 15 years later. Wow. And there have been some changes in your life in the past three years or so. Yeah, I'm a mommy of two boys, (laughs) two wild men, and married, which is crazy. And, you know, everything's changed, and I'm still, I'm still really working very hard towards all the things I want to attain, but obviously the vision has shifted a little. A lot of people in the vegan community are, you know, sort of mercilessly anti-breeding, and I totally get the perspective. I mean, from an ecological standpoint, it's a disaster to have children, but the truth is is that the movement needs these kids out there, these super knowledgeable, compassionate children out there changing the world, because if we don't, Certainly, the quiverful movement will keep, you know, keep breeding at, at massive pace, and then all these amazing, like genius, incredible people who, you know, who are in the vegan movement won't have any kids, and then, you know, all these, you know, people in other movements that that you know promote a lot of hatred will have a thousand kids, and then we'll sort of be seriously outnumbered. So. I'm really thankful for the vegan babies out there. And I'm thankful for the ground breakers like you. Oh, well, you know, I'm all for vegan babies. I mean, when I had my daughter, everything changed. Now, now you have said that you always wanted to be a mom. You knew you had the mom gene. I didn't. I was just like, I don't don't know how to do kids. You know, I was an only child, and it just wasn't anything that was on my radar. And then after... The woman died who was my nanny who had really raised me and, and really made me a vegetarian and, and opened wow. up the whole world of spirituality and all that stuff to me. After she died, I just knew that somebody was ready to come to this planet through me who turned out to be my wonderful daughter, Adair, who's wow. vegan and she takes Magical. care of baby animals. And yeah, it's, it's yeah. very, very cool. So if you want to have a baby, don't feel guilty. Now, right. you do attachment parenting, which is something I learned about 30 years ago, but a lot of wow. people have no idea what it is. Tell us about it. So people think it's this like newfangled, seriously new age hippie thing that it's all over the press now. People are talking about it. I'm getting calls every day about this cool new style of parenting, which is utter hilarity because what attachment parenting is, is just primal parenting. It's as old as time itself. 95% of the world is currently parenting this way. They might not, you know, intellectualize it as, as attachment parenting, but it's just really keeping your babies close to you. You know, yes, there's all sorts of doctrines and books and literature about it, but really when it gets down to the bare bones, what is attachment parenting? It's keeping your baby, you know, strapped onto you. You don't necessarily push them away from, from you in strollers all the time, but you wear them and you breastfeed them and you co-sleep with them. And yeah, you, you know, believe in their cries and you don't think that they're trying to manipulate you. They don't, you don't let them cry it out. There's a million different sort of pieces of the puzzle, but there are a lot of people who, you know, there were some of the trailblazers in attachment parenting were women who went to offices every day and pumped at their offices. That can also be considered attachment parenting. There's not, you know, one strict doctrine. It's really, it's, it's, it branches across, you know, numerous, numerous little forests of women parenting in a really compassionate, very intuitive way. And when you talked about compassionate, it just seems to be the perfect outgrowth of veganism. How could you care so deeply for animals and then have a baby and stick him or her in a crib far away and let him cry it out? It's it's totally counterintuitive. It really is, and it, but it, people are, gen, I really, now I'm at the place, I was really judgmental at the beginning, like all new moms I think are, now two babies in, I think I can say I get it, like people are listening to the people they trust and love, they're just like we grew up, you know, a lot of us grew up eating meat, we, we did what our parents did, it made sense to us because that's what the people that loved us told us to do. So it was the same thing with me. I was, you know, I was bound to repeat all my cycles of how my mother raised me and my father raised me. And then I just sort of started meeting these kids in the vegan movement, actually, who were just special. They were different. There was something 
interesting about them. They were unbelievably comfortable, and they'd come to me like I'd meet them for the first time, and a one-year-old would just jump into my arms. I'd never met a kid like this before, kids like this before, and I started inquiring, and this is before I was even married, and I found out there was this thing called attachment parenting. Who knew? And I said, ah, that's why the whole world's on Prozac, because we didn't get the love we needed when we were kids, and, you know, really, that's what it is. We were We missed out on this primal connection with our mothers, most of us. And there's a piece of us that's sort of, you know, our spirit's broken because of it. And there's like a a loneliness and a desperation inside that a lot of us carry with us because of that. I I mean, I have like deep memories of being in a crib alone when I I was born in England. And I remember being in my crib at the top of this big house crying hysterically. I remember it. And I couldn't have been more than a year old. I remember the pain and the loneliness of it, so I sort of always carried that with me and, and never wanted to put my kids through that. Mm. That's so interesting because I had something of a similar experience and it's sort of like what people have when they're interested in, in maybe changing their diet, maybe going more vegan, but then they're also reading paleo and they're reading Atkins and they're reading all these other things and it's very, very confusing so that you get people going back and forth day to day and I found the same thing with the parenting because at that time, especially the attachment parenting thing was not new in the world <laughs> because people right, had been right. doing it forever, but right. new in, in the West. And so right. I'd read one book and it would say, let the baby cry it out and feed on a schedule. And if you bring your baby to bed, your baby will be psychically scarred <laughs> forever. Right. And then I would right. read the other stuff and I was so confused. And finally, one day, it just hit me. What do you resonate with? And just like I don't resonate with the idea of let's go slit an animal's throat because I think I need a huge amount of protein, I just didn't resonate with cry it out. Something in you told you it was wrong. My mom, you know, even though she disagrees with the way I parent for the most part, although that's not necessarily true. She says I'm the best mother, but, you know, she she thinks I should be quote-unquote stricter, But she's, which I am quite strict actually, but, you know, in her ways, she does say to me all the time, mommy knows best, and she sort of steps out. And whenever I question myself, not about attachment parenting, but other things, I always say to myself, mommy knows best. Just like in life, it's like the lesson of learning to trust your instincts when you meet someone and you sort of have an inner recoil. It's the same thing with this parenting jazz. You know, you walk into it and you know instantaneously what feels right. Yeah. Wow. You play, you toy, but you know. Well, you're certainly bringing back memories. And yeah, I would say that I didn't know in the beginning, but I learned over time. Right, right, (laughs) for sure. And you always look back and think, oh, my gosh, I wish I'd done this and I wish I'd done that. But I think when you look at your kids and see what they're like, both as children, when you talked about the vegan kids and the attachment parenting kids, because I saw that, too. I was involved in La Leche League. And most of them weren't vegan. Some were lots of vegetarians, certainly natural food-eating people. And right. and I saw it first there. These were not the kids who annoyed me that had made me think I never wanted to be a mom. They were right. different. Right. Yeah, you know when you find your peoples. That's how I felt when I got came into veganism. It was like I could breathe. I was like, oh, finally. I don't have to hang out with anyone but these people anymore because there was a certain, like, you know, there is, a, people say that there's a certain level of elitism in veganism, and I think it's more in the inner sanctum where we get in this crew and we go, these people just have slightly bigger hearts or slightly more aware hearts. So I'm, not, I'm not really sure how to, I'm sure you could, you know, better verbalize it than I could, but there's something about, like, being in a crew of people who've made this decision that they don't feel it's necessary to hurt anything to live. Mm. That's a big thing. That is a big big, thing. It's a big connected thing. You reminded me of meeting Dr. Dean Ornish 25 years ago, and he was the first to show that heart disease could be reversed through a low-fat, virtually vegan diet with exercise and meditation. And he wanted to call his first book, Opening Your Heart. But his publisher wouldn't let him. So it was called Dr. Dean Ornish's Program for Reversing Heart Disease. Well, it still was a New York Times bestseller, so that all worked out. But I love that idea because you open your heart to the animals, and just like you're talking, opening your heart to your children, and then other things happen. 
you get physical perks, all kinds oh, of yeah. things. Oh, yeah. My whole life changed when I went vegan. My, my whole view of the world, how I felt inside about myself, there was so, all the judgment went away. Like, there was so much ego, and there was so much, like, I couldn't be seen without makeup, and I had to wear stilettos everywhere I went and, and gowns, and God forbid if I was seen without my eyelashes, you know. And I think at the same time, you know, going vegan, you know, right, you know, in the sort of thick of it, it just pushed me right back down to earth. And I started loving myself and not judging. And here I am, you know, have, I had two babies. I don't have the body I had anymore. And I'm so okay with it. I don't judge. You know, I'm not saying I love every stretch mark, but I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not like stressed out about getting back to the gym. I'm like, okay, in this moment, I love myself for who I am. This body, like, made two beautiful babies. And the only people who walk around having perfect bodies after two babies are people with, like, chefs and, you know, plastic surgery and, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, personal trainers that come to their house. So I just understand and I respect that this is what my body was supposed to do, and I'm I'm really less judgmental. And I and I really do account. I really do. You know, I I think veganism has a lot to do with it. Mm. And to hear that from a self-styled glamazon, that's oh, wow. pretty cool. Yeah, because that's what I think. That's what I've I've learned over the past you know five years is really the shift. Is that it's the glamazon guide to conscious living. It's mm-hmm. about being conscious. So you know you can walk around. A glamazon is just really a queen. She's a goddess. So on the inside you could feel like a queen and goddess, but you can sometimes I I often feel the most beautiful when I have my shoes off and I'm wearing you know a tattered old sundress and my hair is in a bun and I'm you know I have a baby on one side and I'm shoveling an avocado in my mouth like you know and sometimes I could be in the most glamorous couture dress in the most you know awe-inspiring situation and feel really like there's a lot of like hard like negative energy around mm-hmm. so it's or really like, like really miss your sorry. baby <laughs> what is yeah exactly well you know I don't leave them so yes and, and Katie Couric thought that was very weird <laughs> didn't like that at all. Well, you know, weird is good. I mean, people right. think vegan is weird. People think loving one's neighbor is weird. Right. Maybe maybe we need a big bunch of T-shirts that say weird and loving it. We'll get back to more weirdness and veganism and glamour and babies and other wonderful things with Chloe Jo Davis of girlygirlarmy.com right here on Main Street Vegan Radio after these messages. When you pray, do you wonder if anyone is listening? What should and can you ask of God? Why aren't your prayers being answered? Prayer is a challenge for many of us. Now there's a new book that can help deepen your understanding. Based on his 35 years in ministry, author Jim Rosemurgy has developed a prayer and meditation practice called The Gathering. In just 40 days, The Gathering will become your foundation for a genuine, ever-deepening experience of God's imminent presence and unlimited power. You'll understand that God can't fulfill your needs, but your needs can be met. You'll see that prayer isn't something you do. It's something you experience. Explore Jim Rosemurgy's new book, The Gathering, a 40-day guide to the power of group and personal prayer. Available now at www.unitybooks.org. Oprah Winfrey says that Eric Butterworth's book, Discover the Power Within You, changed her perspective on life and religion. Maya Angelou quotes Emily Cady's Lessons in Truth as she recalls her own spiritual awakening. What do these books have in common? They share Unity's classic teachings. Join Reverend Laura Beth Gilbreth, Minister of Unity Transformation, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic teachings. Follow along and contribute your thoughts, questions, and ideas as we examine these foundational teachings through the works of Unity authors past and present. Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic teachings, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. 
Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio. My guest today is Chloe Jo Davis of girlygirlarmy.com. You can follow her on Twitter at girlygirlarmy. So, Chloe Jo, you, you are such a combination of personalities. I was surprised when you got married that you took your husband's name. Well, that was, <clears throat> you want to go deep? Yeah. <laughs> you want to get dirty? Why not? I mean, that was, okay, sure, why not? Um, you know, I just, I didn't feel, I don't feel a particular connectedness to my father. So I think if I had, I probably would have held on to my name. But I, I had felt a need to shed it. And also Jeremy's sort of like, <clears throat> sort of an individual in his family too, where, you know, he didn't have much of a relationship with his father either. So I think the name you know, was really hit just his name. He's always sort of stand, st- stood alone as that name. And I felt a need to have, I wanted us to join as one. And so I would have, like, sort of created a name together, done something like that. But I just, it just felt right to me. I don't know. It was just like the name. Well, you know how Jeremy and I met. It was so weird and fortuitous and magical that, you know, we met once as children. We didn't realize it, but then we met again as adults. And I had written a letter once by a pool in Israel when I was six years old about this boy, and it was him. And this is a really crazy, you know, beshert, as they say in my for my people, story, So, which means like faded. And so, yeah, I mean, I just felt like it was, I felt a draw to it. So, yeah, maybe it's not the most feminist thing that I did it, but, you know. Well, I, think we all it's, have- I think it's very cool because you made a decision. My son-in-law took my daughter's name. So he is that. Nicholas Moran. Yeah, they, they waited it. his name, her name, hyphenations, and it just worked, especially because he's an actor and Nick Moran sounded good for right. gangster roles. That really does. <laughs> so it works out. Sounds good in general. Yeah. So, Chloe Jo, we yeah. all know that there are vegans, those who are just out there in the world who don't have big circles, and some who become very well-known in this world who decide for whatever reason that they want to stop living a vegan lifestyle. And sometimes they're very vocal about it, and I know you have been very vocal in response to that. What's your thought on vegan recidivism? I mean, I just, I don't understand it. I've like wrapped my head around it 600 different ways, and I don't understand it, and I don't understand why. I mean, I know it, I do understand it. It's just, you know, letting go of the, you know, because some, Sometimes it is sort of hard, not ever to be vegan, but hard to stand out and be different and stand for something, you know, because if you stand for something, it makes you, quote, unquote, weird and different. So if you fall back into mainstream life, mainstream, you know, paleo or carnivorism or being an omnivore, life becomes somewhat simpler. So I think that, you know, people, there are people just sort of, for lack of a better word, pussy out, you know, and they just, they don't want to participate anymore. So then they need to make excuses and they need to start dissing us and they need to start finding something wrong with veganism instead of just saying, you know, I'm falling out because I'm just sort of, I'm falling off the wagon. You know, that's really how I feel about it. I think, you know, it's really negative and dangerous to say bad things about veganism because it's proven, it's science, that this is an optimal way to live. It's optimal to eat plant foods. There's no question about it. There's no debate, even though people will try to. (laughs) I think the debate comes in the more alternative um, kinds of health care and ways of of looking at things. And believe me, I'm all for alternatives. I have had great success with injuries of various sorts, doing acupuncture and other things. But everything comes with a philosophy. And one philosophy that's pretty strong out there is if you crave something, you have to have it. And yet alcoholics crave Jack Daniels. Does that mean they're supposed to have it? I mean, I crave right now sitting on a rooftop in Manhattan drinking a mojito, but I don't think my son would appreciate that via the breast milk he's going to get in an hour. Like, you know, it's that's just absurd and dangerous, and especially someone who's, you know, a nutritionist or someone who is like someone who's, you know, a respected person in, in a community about nutrition. That's a dangerous message to send. And I just, you know... 
you know, it's Godspeed. That, that's how I feel about it at this point. It's just like Godspeed because it's, it's insane. Like there was another woman who was saying that she got cellulite from eating veganism. Like, no, sweetie, you got cellulite because you're a woman of a certain age, you know, who, with children or not children or whatever. And, you know, that's what your hereditary did. Like cellulite is not made by veganism. That's ridiculous. So, you know, you just sort of, I'm at the point now where I just giggle and I say, we must have gotten really big. You know, like they say, the only bad press is your obituary. So, you know, (laughs) here we are. You know, we must be in our obituary as vegans because people are really starting to talk. And there's going to be a backlash, just like you turn on the TV every day and there's something about veganism in the media, in the mainstream media. So just as a backlash, it's a coming. It's going to be people who write books. You know, I was vegan and it almost killed me. I was vegan and I lost my husband. I was vegan and I fell out of an airplane. It's going to be all kinds of juicy stuff for people to get book deals and all sorts of fakery. But it's gonna make it's gonna it's gonna you know just boost our profile higher. So that's how we have to look at it. Oh, it's just better really, for the animals. And I think it will also uh, kind of divide a little bit those of us who really believe this with all our hearts. I am happy right. when anybody goes vegan or almost vegan or a little bit vegan for any reason. And yet, those of us who are going to keep it together and keep it going on into the future and growing the way it needs to grow are the people who get it that it's not just so we can be pretty, which I think it does make you pretty. If you eat good vegan food, it's pretty amazing. And it causes people's cholesterol to go down and their arteries to clear out. This is pretty cool stuff. And yet it's really about saving lives. I was at this AR conference this weekend. I don't know if you were listening at the beginning. And I was just so inspired by these people who get it that it's not people and animals, it's human people and animal people. And when we can open up to that kind of consciousness, everything will change. Wow, that's powerful. And that's why we always have, that's why I always say to people who are just sort of dancing with veganism, you need a community. You need to go to the events. You need to be inspired. You need to keep the fire going because we're activists and it's easy to have activist burnout. I'm not a vegan because veganism made me skinny or veganism made me healthy, although those were byproducts for me as well and my husband. But I'm vegan because I truly deeply in my heart believe that it is the it's the kind way to live. I don't think I know. I don't, I don't, I know that I don't need animal products to survive or to thrive or to be gorgeous or to, or to put on sexy shoes, you know, oh, please. But you know what I mean? I do mean, that's why I started Girly Girl Army is because, you know, there were a lot of people who were coming into veganism for, you know, narcissistic reasons and they needed a place to find, to get it interested too. And that, and that became their springing board. Oh, you know, where do you get, you know, a vegan leather jacket? Well, here's where you get a vegan leather jacket, and here's why we don't wear leather. Check this out. And here's where leather comes from. And here's the environmental ramifications of leather, not just, you know, the the compassion reasons for the animals. So, you know, it's just trickling. It's a trickle down. Yeah, and that's why we need to learn some stuff. It's kind of too bad. We should be able to make a life choice and not have to become an expert on environmentalism and nutrition right. and the cardiovascular system and all these other things. Right, but we get so called out on it. I mean, I always tell someone, you better get studying when yeah. they say they want to go vegan because the truth is we need to have all the answers at the ready. Yeah, You know, because sure. people will call you out nonstop. I mean, if I had a dollar for everywhere to get your protein... I'd be living on a Fifth Avenue right now. Yeah, on that roof, but without the mojito. Well, maybe. A little maybe. sick. <laughs> a dropper and fall. I just want to say something in the interest of full disclosure. When I talked about human people and animal people, it came up in my head later. You know, that is not mine. I was at a lecture a couple of weeks ago by Ingrid Newkirk from PETA, and a, an award was given to David Life, the co-founder of Jiva Mukti Yoga, And he said, I am accepting this award, not just for me, but for the people with fur and the people with hooves and the people with skin. So if anybody was there, I don't want you to think I'm stealing David's thunder. So, Chloe Jo, what do you see for your children when they're your age? What kind of world is this going to be? 
What kind of world is it going to be? Well, I, I don't think veganism will be remotely fringe anymore. I think that, you know, veganism will be very mainstream. And I think we'll be on, on, a, on a path to enlightenment and compassion. And I think the doors will really have been flung open in terms of factory farming. I mean, I think those already the doors are wide open. People who know nothing about nutrition now know about GMOs and know what Monsanto is. And, you know, I really think the doors are being flung open and... I just think things are really going to have to shift. I believe that they're going to shift. The only way they won't shift is if people just, just make a conscious choice to close their eyes because the information is there, and, and there are all these celebrities who are talking about it all the time ad nauseum, so it's not like you'd have to live under a rock to miss, to miss out. So really, I think we're, we're, we're on the precipice of a shift, or at least I hope. And, I, and what I want for my sons is nice Jewish activists. That's, that's what my boys are. They're just, I want them to really care about the world and do really good things in the world and be, you know, whoever they want to be. But I always want them to carry with them the spirit of an activist. And that's why I gave them the activist names that I gave them, because I want them to remember that we're here to make a difference. And if you don't do anything, then you're doing nothing. What are their really, names? You know, um, Panther, Britain, and Freedom Midnight. Whoa. Those are great names. <laughs> So they may be novelists and activists. Those are good writers, don't you think? (laughs) Absolutely. Writers, doctors, whatever they want to be. I mean, the world needs more, you know, activists of every sort. You know, there's so many, you know, you could take sort of a very benign profession and turn it into something magical if you use your skills. People always come to me and they say, I want to help the animals more, but I'm an accountant. What can I do? And I say, oh, my God, there's a million things you could do. Everything, every gift we have is something you can put to use for the environment of the animals or whatever cause it is you believe in. But there's no, we all have gifts for a reason and we can use them to, to, better, to better the world. It is true. And the other thing that I always try to express to people is maybe you're not ever going to be an animal rights or an environmental activist, but maybe you have some connection to the blind or uh, people hungry in a certain country. Maybe that's your cause and your calling. You can be a vegan and still be you. I think so many people think it's like, oh my gosh, I would do that, but I don't want to become somebody else. Well, you're going to become your best self. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, I always say, look at our movement. It's so varied. It's so colorful. I'm a Jewish girl from New York City. I grew up Orthodox religious. I had zero connection to animals. You know, it wasn't something I understood even remotely. So how did I get into this movement? You know, everything comes to you for a reason. People come to you, things come to you, moments come to you, and when, and when things pop in your life, there's teachers everywhere. There's little magical teacher fairies that just pop up when you're maybe having your lunch and something blows onto your table and it's a piece of newspaper and you look down and you catch a word, and that word is your gift. You know, it's mm-hmm. just really like keeping your eyes really wide open and seeing where, you know, where, you're, where you're supposed to be dancing. Wow. It's a hot day in New York City, but you gave me chills. Now, Chloe Joe, I can't possibly talk with the great Glamazon goddess of conscious living, girlygirlarmy.com personified, without asking you some girly stuff. What's yeah. new and wonderful in the fashion and beauty world? Well, the, the exciting thing is that every day, I would say, much to the chagrin of my husband because the boxes line up, I get at least six to seven boxes. That's how exciting it is. It's a time for us to be eco-glamazons, warriors who want to look beautiful and want to care for animals at the same time. There are products up the wazoo, beauty products, shoes, bags, clothing. It's amazing how many inquiries and emails and boxes I'm getting every day. So that's exciting and amazing. And soon the choice is going to be way beyond just, you know, pay less for, you know, people on a budget versus Stella McCartney, who, you know, for the megastars who have no budget. So it's really exciting. It's good stuff. Right now, I'm really in love with a few lines that are new. There's these amazing new shoes, Bava, B-H-A-V-A, which I'm getting compliments everywhere I go where I wear them. I think they're really special. They're organic fabrics. They're hand-woven. It's really special because it's not any plastics or PVCs, you know, made abroad. It's really special. It's a special line. And, you know, I'm very excited that Vocator, our friend Leanne's, uh, opened a, a bricks and mortar store, an all eco vegan fashion boutique. That's exciting. 
So, you know, there's really, like, it's just such a good time to care about this stuff. And the, the most exciting thing is that you can be on a budget and you can live this way. And even if you're just, even if you don't even want to buy anything new, which truly is the greenest thing to do, vintage now is a plenty. Every, every city has a vintage shop, if not a Salvation Army. And, and people are just repurposing with vigor. And Pinterest is teaching us so much about ways to make th- old things new again. It's really a great time to be someone interested in sustainability. That is so beautiful. I was out to dinner with a non-vegan friend who wanted to invite another non-vegan friend. And the second non-vegan said when she found out what I am and what I do, and she said, oh, I'm vegan. And the first friend said, I didn't know that. And the second woman said, well, I don't eat vegan, but all my body care and all my cosmetics are vegan. And I thought, now, isn't that interesting? It is very new that somebody would kind of stretch the truth truth to convince you that they're vegan. (laughs) That's amazing. And maybe there's going to be a whole new movement of just like, um, I'm a vegan beauty, or I do like, like for for a few years, I I called myself a pesho vegan. This is 10 years ago, because I just didn't want to give up my sushi. And finally, you know, I literally made up a title for myself, although I'm sure others had made up the title too, but I called myself a pesho vegan. So there's probably going to be some sort of like, I'm a lipstick vegan or something. Well, that's good, because don't we eat three pounds of it in a lifetime? Yeah, pretty amazing, right? It ought to be vegan. It's amazing. And once you start veganizing your food, it just and it's not necessarily veganizing, that's just the word, but it's really cleaning it up. It's just cleaning everything up and looking at what we clean with. What do we clean our house with? What are we spraying on our floor that we're walking on that our hands touch? What it's really just going from the inside out and that and, and not realizing that it's not an elitist special, expensive thing to be. White vinegar can clean your house better than anything else, and that costs $2, and that's as clean and green as it gets. So it's really, you know, knowing that there's ways around doing things. um, You don't have to do everything immediately. It's little baby steps. Like, you know, I didn't sell and get rid of all of my leather and wool instantaneously. It happened slowly, and I did it in a way that felt comfortable for me. And, And, you know, that's how I advise people to dance into this as well. I love how you say dance. I love every because we have to dance so you cry. (laughs) I haven't slept in three days. I have a teething baby. You know, I I haven't looked at her in forty eight hours. But if I don't dance and laugh, I was just dancing and laughing with my three year old. We went to get like this is how great and and big. fantastic our movement's getting is that you go to a place called Yogurt Land on the corner, which I just happened to pass, and I see a big sign that says dairy-free options, wow. and we danced in, and we went to dance, see the dance again, we went in, and we and we had we had ice cream, and you know, it was dairy-free ice cream, and they had fruit toppings instead of just junk, and it's just, there's, if it's just where there's a will, there's a way, you know, if I just have found, I've been so shocked lately and amazed in wonderful ways where I could be in the middle of nowhere and they have almond milk. Mm-hmm. You know, it's amazing. This, this, things are changing. There's a big shift happening. Yeah, there really is. And I love that phrase, you have to dance or you'll cry. It sounds like it's from the Talmud. It probably was. Well, my oh. grandma, who was like the original Glamazon, used to say, laugh or dance, cry and you cry alone. Laugh and the world laughs with you. And she would, she'd always say that to me when I was crying. Oh, and then when I'd say I was bored, better. she'd say, well, there's fascinating things going on inside your toes. Take off your feet. Take off your socks and play with your toes. <laughs> she sounds like Auntie Mame. Everybody needs She was. Her. And it sounds like that's who you are for your boys and whoever is coming along later. There's going to be a number three? I would hope so, whatever the goddess wills. I'd keep going, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I remember when when my daughter was born, there's a wonderful vegan writer in in England named John Wynne Tyson. He's quite elderly now. He's 88 years old. But at the time, I remember he wrote to me, and he just said, Remember, a dare is the most important animal now. And that was helpful for the time. And then as soon as she was able in that little pouch, we went out and started carrying signs. So wow. it's a good way to live. No, absolutely. You just have to get on with the show. Yeah. <laughs> get on with the show. Sometimes, some days I just put on heels, even though it's the last thing I want to do, just to make myself feel a little better. And I just go. I just do. 
and I meet my friends, and I go, and I go to events, and, and I strap the babies on, and they come with me, because life is all about doing things and, and experiencing things, and you, if you sit home, you could sort of sink into the mundane, you know, of just nothingness sometimes. You are so right. Chloe Jo Davis on Twitter. She's at Girly Girl Army. And I hope that you post these two fabulous tweets. You have to dance or you'll cry and get on with the show. And I have a little tiny quotation because I've been promising people a quotation from Charles Fillmore, the founder of Unity. And he wrote in 1920, spirit has shown me repeatedly that I could not refine my body and make it a harmonious instrument for the soul so long as I continued to fill it with the cells of dead animals. Amen wow. to that. Thank you so much, Chloe Joe Davis, girlygirlarmy.com, and everybody else, God bless you, and eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, For Unity Classic Radio, words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio, words from our past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. You are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you, but God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. The base of all life is the infinite wellspring of Source, and each of us has a unique way of expressing that Source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Rev. Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time. 
on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Karen Dendy-Smith, and Meredith Tolleson. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.